St. Louis, Missouri has a fascinating history. In 1904, St. Louis hosted the World's Fair and the Summer Olympics, bringing millions to St. Louis to visit. The city saw tremendous growth throughout the 20th century. There were times of decline and expansion and change. And like any area, with new development comes structures of the past left abandoned, unused and destined for decay. Chris Sherman saw this as a great opportunity. He's not only helping the community by developing forgotten properties, but he's doing it with great ministry intentionality. That's now on this Action in Ministry. Inspiring you to be the hands. Empowering you to be the feet. Strengthening you to be the heart of Christ for others. Action. Action. Action in ministry. Hi, I'm Rachel Legute, and this is Action in Ministry. If you drove through St. Louis City today, you'd see beautiful buildings and homes from the turn of the century. But scattered throughout are places that need a new purpose, a revitalization. That's where Chris Sherman and the Lutheran Development Group see opportunity. Chris, thanks for joining us today. Glad to be here. Well, maybe you can begin by telling us a little bit about yourself. Have you always been a St. Louis guy? Yeah, I, uh, I grew up out in the suburbs, uh, but just fell in love with the city. My dad used to take me to uh, restaurants and museums and um, just felt that there was something different about those neighborhoods compared to where I grew up. And I couldn't really place it, but uh, um, just really fell in love with, uh, with, with the city. Well, there's really an interesting story about how um, the Lutheran Development Group began. I understand it all started with a vacant school building. Yeah, there's there's a lot that LDG is doing that I think has been piloted um, by my church, which is Messiah Lutheran down in the Tower Grove area. And um, I would say that probably the inspiration for a lot of what we're doing is is, is the work that has come out of Messiah. So um, that's a good example of how a church can take something that was uh, considered a negative and turn it into a positive. So Messiah is a church that was, like a lot of these city churches, just a vibrant I don't know how many people they had on a Sunday, maybe like 800 or something like that. The sanctuary is huge. It's beautiful. They don't build things like this anymore. And over time, people, um, that congregation, a lot of those folks moved out of that community. And by the time my wife and I were going there, there was maybe 100 people. It got down to probably 70 or 80 people uh, on a Sunday. And um, there were all these sort of legacies from the past. One was that we had... um, what was the Messiah Lutheran School, which merged with other schools, became King of Glory. I think we're probably all familiar with this idea of buildings kind of losing their original purpose and um, communities shifting. Tell tell us a little bit more about how LDG works. Mm, yeah. What do you do when you find a property or or go to look for something to to impact change? How does it work out for you? Yeah, so so like that that school building. What what happened with that was that that school building did get did get repurposed as a charter school, which then provided an opportunity for Messiah to provide an after-school program. So uh, in that situation, that predates LDG, but it's what helped LDG start um, and and gave us sort of a roadmap for the future. That's an example of you take something that is costing the money, costing money to the church, um, you know, every year. It's, It's a liability and turn it into something that's an asset for not only the church, um, but also for the community, and then builds this infrastructure for relationships into the community. So we work either directly in the community or directly with the church in that community. 
we look at where the gaps are in resources. There are wonderful people in these neighborhoods, you know, wonderful community stakeholders. Let's walk alongside them and find where are the gaps. One of the most significant gaps is affordable housing that's safe, clean, just a good place for people to live. So often people are uh, housing poor. They may have you know, half of their income or more going to living in a place that isn't healthy for them or their family to live. And, and like, how can you expect your kid to be performing in school if you're, let's say, having to move from one place to the next because you're trying to save a few bucks on rent? Uh, how can you expect your kid to be performing in school if, you know, they're exposed to lead? How do you identify properties? How do oh, you yeah. <laughs> decide what, what gets your attention? So it's, 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 Project by project, and um, we have this this saying, which I don't know if it's healthy for an organization, but it's, we'll figure it out. <laughs> and uh, that's a lot of what we do. And it's like if the need is for more um, more accessible housing or affordable housing, then we're going to say, okay, what resources do we have, and how can we cobble this together and make it work? So a lot of times the it's 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 it feels like it's a chicken or the egg thing, but you, you you're trying to grab it whatever you can and, and figure out. So the buildings will somewhat be determined by the resources available. So if you have historic tax credits, then you need to be seeking out historic buildings in that are either themselves historic or are in a district that make them historic. And um, at the same time, if you know that you're in working in a historic district, then you might be finding specific resources for that. So, I, I mean, you can get pretty wonky into, like, all the little <laughs> details, um, but you, you just – you you have to have an understanding of what the landscape of resources are, and then you can find the opportunities from there. Now, what about the recipients? Are you guys attached to the people who receive the properties after they've been, um, like, updated or worked on? So, in, in some cases, yes, and in some cases, no. And and one of the core things I, I was talking about already was that, you know, LDG works directly in these communities with things that churches typically are not involved with. The, the other side of it is that we do work in partnership with, I would say, outreach or community-focused churches. And um, anything that we would do would be incomplete without that partnership. And that is where a lot of those relationships, I think, ideally would happen. A lot of what we're doing is we're creating new systems or there's an infrastructure by which relationships can happen. Um, so an example of that would be that um, our work that, that effectively started uh, LDG was um, an affordable housing development with Messiah Lutheran. So here's a church that's now, it's grown, but it's still only about 120 people on a Sunday. And we had a voters meeting. I put forward this, this potential project, and um, they said, yep, let's do it. And then we did a, a $12 million renovation of 12 different buildings in the neighborhood, many of them falling down. You'll have a 100-year-old building where the back wall was falling down. And they took these and uh, using all kinds of different you know, tax credits and city financing and state financing, um, took something that was a liability to the community, a blight in the community, and made it an asset. But at the end of it all, not only do we have these, um, these wonderful apartments that people can live in, but we also have the Messiah Community Center, which is a corner storefront in walking distance to our church in the middle of the neighborhood. And this is an opportunity where what is already a, a church that has a, a long history of being community-focused and, and um, community-minded. They're able to use that space to reach out, build relationships, 
and um, connect with the community. So LDG is helping to sort of build a structure, but then you need that church partner to really engage then with the community. Yeah, I'm listening to you talk about this, and I mean, $12 million, multi-million dollar projects. Yeah. I mean, this is a pretty huge undertaking to, um, like, uh, most churches would look at something like that and say, no way, I can't do this. It's so big. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just wondering, how do you address all of the things that need to be tackled in order to um, handle a project of this scale? Yeah. These are complex projects, and it only happens through partnership and having the right people at the table. So we got a pre-development loan through LCF. LCF has been a wonderful partner with us. Uh, We worked with Rise Community Development, who was a consultant that helped to bring all these pieces together. The only way this started was because we had a family in the congregation where um, it's a wonderful family. They're they're, um, refugees from from another country. And it was because their kid had started to have elevated lead levels. Now, he's doing great. They, they got out of that apartment. It, it spurred this call to action to try to find a way to, to have better housing in our community. And since we had this, this willingness and this, this relationship within our church, there was, a, there was also this willingness to then actually pursue a project like this. It's only because of years and years of, um, you know, Messiah really is a family, and there's trust and there's, uh, a, you know, this, this desire to use our resources for, you know, the kingdom. And, but here specifically, that's our community. And that doesn't happen overnight. It's, it's through, you know, it's through smaller projects like leasing our school building across the street to a charter school. It's by using our resources to provide an after-school program for, um, you know, for those students, it's 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 incremental steps. And if you look at it just as oh wow, they did a huge development in the in the neighborhood, um, yeah, that's that's amazing. But you can't get to that unless you've done all the other steps before that. And uh, I'm just I'm glad that we're we're a part of it. As you tell the story, what I'm hearing is the interconnectedness of the work of the church, mm-hmm. your work in the community, and how. The work that LDG is doing out in the community is actually pointing people back to the local church and the the resources that they're putting out there into the world. Yeah, that's that's exactly the way that that this has to work. What LDG is doing, there, there's value to it in and of itself. It is it is an expression of how we love our neighbors, but it cannot be just that. It has to be in partnership with the local church. And there's a a couple of amazing ways that I've seen this happen. Specifically at Holy Cross, there's a partner ministry with the Intersight Arts Center. And it's amazing what is happening there where you have artists who are instructing, you know, kids and youth from the community. They are mentoring and you have direct volunteerism from the church there. Um, to that program. It's, it's great to see that connection. So what LDG does is we, we help them expand uh, their, their facility. We help them grow into a space that's specifically suited for them. It actually was the old Concordia Seminary and has been renovated into this 30,000-square-foot art center. It's, it's amazing, but it only works if you have the church alongside you that is then reaching out and connecting with the community. And one of the best examples I've seen of this is this is not – directly LDG, but it's the type of work that, 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 we're, that we're trying to do in partnership. 
at Messiah where I where I go to church and then across the street is Eagle where my kids go to school. There's a lot of families that send their kids to the charter school that's across the street and you you are coaching, you know, kids from from the community. You are um, my good friend Jim Gill is 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 he's a math professor. He's using his skills to do um, sort of an elevated math program at the school. It's like you have all these people from the church pushing in and 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 living out their faith in these places in this community. And one of the things we have on Wednesday night is pizza and praise where the church provides a pizza dinner. You know, we have salad as well because, you know, <laughs> we have to act like it's healthy. Um, sometimes you eat it. And and you have pizza and praise. So like one night a week, it's just open to the community, but the core of it is families from the school. And, and you say, hey, come on over. Just don't stress about dinner this week. Come on over. We'll provide that. And it's, it's sort of this intermediate level. You're not, you know, you're not, hauling someone in the Bible study, like, you need that. Like, that's where people need to grow to. But it's building relationships and providing a, a, a safe place for people to ask questions about faith and to discuss what's going on in their life. And I've seen people, when they lost their job, they made sure that they came to Pizza and Praise because they said, we, we need to be with our Pizza and Praise family. And um, and they were supported through that group. They were supported through the church, and eventually they they had another job. And and they are one of the best volunteers now for pizza and praise. And um, you know, I've, so I've seen people find jobs through it. I've seen people come to the church through that. I've seen so many baptisms that have come because that introductory place where the church community, you know, sort of melded with the broader community, just out of you know, trying to find that commonality and just loving one another because God loves us. Yeah, I like this idea that like sometimes we think things have to be so linear. Like if I do A, B will happen. And then when B happens, we can move on to C. But like what I hear is like I can't even like necessarily pinpoint all the places where like the church impacts the community mm-hmm. or LDG or, or LDG impacts the community. And then the community comes back into the church. It seems like this really beautiful like ecosystem of interconnectedness yes. that you've created um, between all these entities. And that's what allows this true community between all the all the groups to form and yes. for people's lives to be impacted through that. that. That's exactly it. It's great. How do you think that that type of process reaches the neighborhood? When you're in particularly a post-Christian community that we're in, it's like you have to realize that there are so many, oftentimes where we are in our faith, there's, there, it's like where you're on a ladder or you're on like a, you're, you're like sort of like free climbing a, a cliff. You're already like halfway up and you don't realize that like there needs to be all these incremental steps below. And a lot of these things that, that that we've worked with churches on is like you're you're building some of those introductory points, but then there's also like a secondary tier. So the introductory point is like just building relationships and being involved in the community. But then and that there's value to that because we're called to love our neighbor. But then there's also the that next step of okay, how do you share your faith? Well, I can imagine that these projects can be daunting at the top of them, right, at the start. Mm-hmm. Like all of the details that you have to kind of pull together. And um, I'm sure there's so many potentials for things to kind of fall apart in the middle. And <laughs> and you wonder if it's actually going to get accomplished. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering what it is that keeps you going. What drives you to keep doing this? I can only do this because I have amazing partners in this. And this isn't me doing this. Um, you know, there's, there's a staff at LDG that enables all that. Like if it was just me, (laughs) nothing would get done. Um, my wife has been in 
incredibly patient and incredibly supportive mm. through all of this. I, I view this as sort of a comprehensive expression of, of our faith. I see so many layers of how this all connects and, and how God is behind what is happening and what opportunities this provides to build for the future. And, and I think that I feel like this is only the beginning of something really, really wonderful and amazing. And you're, you're, you're saying like, what, what keeps you going? It's like, like I said, my faith has grown through this. And when I think of like the, the hardships and the frustrations and there have been, like I've been completely wrecked by this mm -hmm. several different times. Um, but then through that, my faith grows and I'm grateful for that. And through that, um, I'm, I'm, I remember that any hardship that I'm going through pales in comparison to what Christ did for me. And that drives me going forward. Well, not everyone can do what you're doing. Not yeah. everyone has the resources available or maybe even like the pieces in the community to do something of this exact nature. But somebody mm -hmm. might be listening today and thinking, you know, I have a dream. I, I have a desire to do this thing to reach my community. Uh, what words of wisdom would you pass along to somebody? Uh, don't do it alone because you can't. <laughs> I mean, maybe you can. I can't. If you are driven to that, if you feel that this is what God is calling you to do, pursue it. There will be sacrifices. There will be many sacrifices. But eventually you realize a lot of those sacrifices actually weren't sacrifices. It seemed like in the moment, but when you can look back, you realize that you're actually moving on to something that's greater. I was drawn to doing this when I was in high school. And the the path that Dana, my wife, and I have been on have, has meandered and veered and didn't make any sense at different points. But when we look back, we see how each of those experiences – have prepared us for what we're doing today, and we have no clue where, where it all goes from here. But um, just get close to other folks in your community, get close to folks um, in your church, and then the most important part is your relationship with God, your relationship with Christ, and then have that be the, the compass that, that sets you forward. Well, Chris, what you're doing is such an inspiration. Um, thank you for inspiring us today. Thank you for what you're doing for the city of St. Louis, and um, you've given us such a beautiful picture of what community looks like today and um, what can be done when the people of God come together to share their resources and their gifts and take them out into the world. So thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. The work being done by the Lutheran Development Group hits home for me. Sometimes I feel like it's not the building down the street that's in shambles, but maybe it's, it's me sometimes. Um, sometimes I'm the one falling apart and need repair, but I too have a rescuer. 1 Peter 5 verse 10 says, And the God of grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. That is real hope for you and all those you meet. How will you share that hope today? That's Action and Ministry. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rachel Legute. Thank you for listening to Action in Ministry. We'd love to hear how you and your church are ministering to your community. To submit ideas for this podcast, visit our website, lhm.org forward slash action, and send us an email. <laughs>